Good morning. This is Kevin Payne, pastor at First Baptist Church in Independence, Missouri. Welcome to our podcast. What you're about to hear is a portion of our worship services that began last Sunday morning at 1030. Every week we gather and sing praises to the living God and hear teachings from His Word found in Scripture. We hope you enjoy the message. If you'd like to hear more, there are more here on the podcast, or you could come and worship with us. Our Bible studies begin at 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings, and our worship begins at 1030. We're located in Independence, Missouri, 500 West Truman Road. Why don't you come and worship with us? Thanks for joining us for our digital service. We'd love to connect with you. Uh, One way you can do that is by downloading our app. You can find that in the iTunes App Store or through the Google Play Store at F-B-C-I-N-D-E-P-M-O. And once there, and once you have it installed, you can uh, open up the app, you'll see lots of tiles. And one of those tiles will say watch. When you tap that, it'll take you to our YouTube channel. That'll be the first way, or second way, technically, you can connect with us. And uh, you'll also be able to like and subscribe to that channel. And if you want, hit that bell notification icon so you're notified when we uh, upload new content. Another way you can connect with us is through our Facebook pages. We have one for the church body as a whole, just called First Baptist Church Independence. And then another one called FBC Loft. That's for our students and youth. And uh, then another one called Kids Street for our children. And we have content being produced weekly in all three of those pages for uh, the whole family. Also, in the app, if you'd like to support the church in its benevolences or in this digital platform that we're, we're producing content on or helping with the building and facilities, whatever it may be, if you feel the need to support the church, you can do that in the app as well where it says giving. You'll tap that. It doesn't even take two minutes. And if you want to, you could even schedule recurring giving. Let's go ahead and pray for the service now. If you have personal needs, give those to the Lord right now. And I'll give you a couple moments to do that. And then we'll pray as a church body whole. Dear Lord, I thank you for today. I pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts and minds, Lord, and prepare us for what you have for us. And you would equip us, Lord, to attack, Lord, the the world in your name, for your glory, Lord, so to speak. And uh, thank you again for the services, Lord. Amen. Good morning. Welcome. Let's sing and praise God together. I believe in the sun. I believe in the risen one. I believe I overcome by the power of his blood. I
stood in the grave I was covered in sin and shame I heard mercy call my name Mr. Dave here, Kids Street at FBC. Well, we just got done celebrating Easter. I'm sure maybe you had some chocolate bunnies or a basket full of eggs, maybe even some ham. But what do we do now? Jesus, while he was on the cross, gave us a hint to uh, what we would uh, do as followers of him after Easter was over. I read to you from John 19, verse 25 through 27. Standing near the cross were Jesus's mother and his mother's sister, Mary, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, this is your son. And he said to this disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. We see that Jesus, while he was still on the cross, saw that his mother needed help. So he made sure that she had somewhere to go when he was gone. He also saw one of his disciples, thought to be John, could have been his cousin, and he gave his disciple a job to do, to take care of his mother. Well, we call ourselves 
disciples, were followers of Jesus. So after Easter, what are we to do? Well, the hint he gives us is what we do. It's a church, but is church a building? Not really. The church is us, his people, his followers. We're his disciples. And the job he gave his disciple at the cross was to help. And that's our job, to help our parents, to help our brothers, our sisters, our cousins, to help our neighbors, to help those in need, to share God's love with those around us. There's a uh, famous children's TV show host. His name was Mr. Rogers. And when he was watching TV and he would see something on the news that was scary, like a fire or a tornado or an earthquake or a pandemic like we're dealing with now, he would get scared or worried and his mother would say, you need to look for the helpers. There's always someone in those stories trying to help. So we look at our firemen and our police officers, our medical staff, our truck drivers, all those people that are trying to help. We see all the news reports of all the people trying to give masks to first responders, to give food to those that need it. And we look for ways that we can help. So why don't you bow with me and then we'll listen to Pastor Kevin's words. Dear Lord, we thank you for your Easter message. Even as you hung on the cross, you thought of others that we should help. We should share your love with those around us. Help us do that in your name. Amen. Good morning. Kevin Payne, First Baptist Church Independence. Everyone likes a winner. We like to hear stories of people who overcome difficult circumstances, who never give up, never surrender, never quit. I came across a story of a woman just like that. Her name is Lauren Manning. You don't know her. She's really a nobody on the world scene. But what she did was pretty amazing. She was one of the victims of the terrorist bombing of the World Trade Centers in 9-11-01 and she was burned over 82% of her body. Her hands were torn off in the accident, and it was a terrible tragedy for her. She prayed that God would take her life. She said the pain was so severe that she wanted to die. But then she realized she had a 10-month-old son, Tyler, that she wanted to raise. So she prayed, God, help me. She chronicled the book of her story, and it tells of the years of surgery and therapies and rehabilitation and all those kinds of things that she did so that she could regain her life. She did so. She had many surgeries. She recovered. She is functioning and working to this day, living with her husband and her son, and she's going to have a great life. She's a victor, but only because she refused to give up. You never want to surrender in the face of a difficulty. Today we're going to talk about surrender, but not the kind of surrender that is defeat. Today we're going to talk about the kind of surrender 
that is victory. Let me read you a story from Scripture from Luke chapter 1 about a woman who surrendered, and it was victory for her. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this statement, and kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. We should never surrender except when God calls us to follow Him. When God calls us to follow Him, there is that point of decision. Will I surrender my life to God? Will I give up my will for God's will? Or will I do what I choose? Mary chose to surrender her will to God. And because of that, God used her and God blessed her. So let's look at this story a little bit closer. A couple of things we can learn. Submission to God may challenge us at every part of our life. I guess we need to understand what I mean when I'm talking about surrendering to God. When you surrender to God, it's not that He makes you do anything. God comes to you, He speaks to you through people or whispers of the Spirit or Scripture, and He calls you to do something, and you are given an opportunity to follow God. Sometimes God will lead you to do what you want to do anyway. At other times, God may call you to do something that would never occur to you. And it is at that point you get to choose. Will I surrender to God? Will I submit to His leadership? Or will I do what I want? So here's an easy definition. Doing what God wants you to do, when He wants you to do it, regardless of how you feel about it, how it might affect your life. So surrendering to God is doing what He wants, regardless of all other things. It may cost you. It may be difficult. It might even make your life more difficult. But it is a choice you have to follow God's leadership. In our story, Mary was just living her life. She was a young girl, probably 13 or 14 at the time. We're not real sure. And more than likely, she had dreams and aspirations like every young girl in ancient cultures. She wanted to grow up, marry a good man, have children and raise them and have grandchildren, and then die an old woman with her family around her. That was the typical dream of a woman 2,000 years ago. And then Gabriel burst into the scene and says, Hail, favored one. God has found favor with you. And she's terrified. She doesn't know what's going on. And the angel explains to her that God has chosen to bless you, and He wants you to have a child, and you're going to call His name Jesus. And went on with this, and she said, Stop. I can't have a child. I've never been with a man. She was a virgin, and she knew the basics of childbirth and all those kinds of things. And she knew she had never been with a man. She was engaged to a man, but she knew that she hadn't been with a man yet. She couldn't be pregnant. And so the Holy Spirit explained to her through angel 
that God would implant a child within her, and he would be somebody special, and he would be called the Son of God. And this was a very big thing, because Mary understood that if she surrendered to God's leadership on this point, her life would be forever changed. A little bit of the historical situation. She lives in a small town in an ancient culture, very conservative Judaism, and she understood what happened if a girl got pregnant before she was married. She would be the subject of scorn and derision for the rest of her life. And yet, here was God giving her an opportunity for service. And so you can see the wheels in her mind turning, clicking, and going through the what ifs, and how am I going to do this? And then she said, Behold, the servant of God. And she said the word bondservant, which meant, I am God's slave. Now, the interesting thing about the term bondservant was, a bondservant was a slave who chose to remain a slave. They would make a choice to sell themselves into slavery out of devotion to the owner. It was an odd thing for our culture, but very common in that culture. And so she chose to become a bondservant to God, to do His will in spite of the cost or the circumstances. So she gives that example of what submission to God is all about. Very difficult. Mary's submission to God challenged her, challenged her dreams and aspirations. It challenged her ideas of family and how she would relate to her own family and to her children and grandchildren. It challenged everything about that, and yet she chose to submit to God's leadership. One of the things we have to remember, whenever we submit to God, it may not be an easy thing. Sometimes God calls us to do those things that we would like to do anyway. At other times, God calls us to do something that we would never choose on our own, and it might even make our life more difficult. But that's the way God works. So a couple of things we have to remember when we talk about submission to God. First of all, whenever you talk about submission to God, you have to realize that you are not equal to God. I'm going to say it again. You are not equal to God. That sounds kind of silly. Of course we're not. But today we live in a culture where we have this extreme idea of equality, and the ideology is that everybody is absolutely equal in every way, shape, and form. And I typically agree with that. But when we're talking about our relationship between us and God, we're not talking about a relationship of equals. We aren't God. We have limited understanding, limited intellect, limited powers. God has unlimited understanding unlimited intellect, and unlimited powers. So whenever we relate to God, we are relating to our superior, our Creator, the one who really does know best, and we really don't have the right to argue with Him and try to correct Him and negotiate with Him. Instead, God calls us, and He expects us to follow Him, to submit to His leadership. So we have to keep that straight. Another thing, submission to God is an ongoing practice. Some people think, I'm just going to get saved, and that's all I have to do. I'm going to go to church a little bit, read the Bible once in a while, write a check to the church if I like the preacher, and that's all I have to do. Nothing could be further from the truth. Following God is a lifetime of obedience to Him. It is a lifetime of you making the choice to submit to God's leadership. Sometimes God leads us through Scripture. At other times, God leads us through circumstances. Sometimes He leads us through the words of a pastor or a Sunday school teacher or someone down the street. But regardless of how God speaks, God calls us to follow Him, 
And the choice is for us to follow Him, to submit to His leadership. Whenever we do that, our life will change. And Mary shows us something here. Whenever we submit to God, there is this tremendous potential for joy and blessings. Now, you know the rest of the story with Mary. She submitted to God's leadership. Jesus, the infant, was implanted within her. She had the baby. You know the story. It's why we celebrate Christmas. And then she nurtured and raised the infant Jesus. She trained him. She taught him scripture. She and her husband nurtured his faith. He became a strong man of faith. He became Jesus, Son of God. He turned the world upside down with his teachings and example. And then on the cross, he gave us a chance for salvation. He served as a sacrifice for our sins. And God raised him from the dead in the resurrection, what we just celebrated last Easter Sunday. So Mary was a part of that. Mary's life was blessed forever because she got to be a part of the way God worked. Remember I said earlier that when the angel approached her, the old phrase was, you have found favor with God. There is a better way to say it. And here's a better phrase. God has chosen to bless you. Now listen to that. Instead of God has favored you, God has chosen to bless you. And the way he was going to bless her was to allow her to get involved in the way he was working to save humanity by submitting to his leadership. So this was an incredible blessing, not just for Mary to have a healthy child, good enough, but that this healthy child would grow to be savior of humanity and he would change everything forever. What an incredible blessing to know that God was going to use you in his big plan to save everyone. So Mary was incredibly blessed because she chose to submit to God's leadership. You have found favor with God. God has chosen to bless you. Think about that phrase whenever God confronts you. Instead of thinking, God wants me to do this or God's going to make me do something, think, God has chosen to bless me if I follow him. Changes everything, doesn't it? So here are a couple of ideas about the blessings of submission. First of all, when you submit to God, you gain a sense of inner peace and hope. Inner peace and hope because you know that when you submit to God, that the God who is God, who created you and created everything, has chosen you for a special task. And He has made you part of something big and wonderful and powerful, and something that is potentially life-changing, something that we all want. And so there is a real sense of peace with that. There is also peace because when you're doing God's will, you can live with the conviction that you are doing the absolute best for your life and for the lives of everybody that you love around you. So there's a real sense of blessing there. And there is comfort because when you serve the God who is God, the God who thinks long term, you are with him in that eternal purpose. The idea of having a grand purpose for life is a big deal. We live in a culture where we talk about this, about leaving a legacy and making my life have meaning and having purpose in life. When you serve God, when you submit to His leadership, your life gains purpose. You're not just living your life. You're not just making money and having toys and having fun and those kinds of things. Nothing wrong with any of that. But there's more to life than just having fun and the daily mundane task of this life. There is something that is eternal and lasts forever and can benefit tens of millions of people in ways we cannot even understand. 
following God's will, being submissive to His leadership, allows you to be a part of a grand purpose for life. One other thing, when you follow God's leadership, you gain a sense of stability in life and strength for this life that you never imagined possible. Think about this. Sometimes we think that stability comes from educational achievements. Have you ever known someone who is really intelligent but unstable? Well, of course you have. Knowing stuff doesn't make anyone stable. Sometimes we think that knowing things will make us strong. And yet, we've met very weak people who knew a lot of things. You know, the fact that you know something or have some understanding doesn't necessarily give your life stability. There's something else about life that requires something for stability. When you base your life on eternal teachings of God and following the wisdom of God based on His wisdom and His teachings and His eternal love and character, you gain a sense of stability because they are teachings that don't change from one culture or historical era to another. They don't change by situation. They don't change because of popularity. They stay the same forever. God always wants you to love others. God always wants you to offer forgiveness. God always wants you to restrain your tongue and think before you speak. God always wants you to handle your money wisely. I could go on, but obviously, God's teachings, when you choose to submit to them, can give your life great stability and strength because you can live with the conviction that they aren't just your opinions, but they are the Word of God, and they are based on the wisdom of the ages that comes from God Himself. When you make the choice to submit to God, you open the door for His involvement in your life. And my personal experience is this. Even though I'm intelligent and capable and all those kinds of things, I do incredibly stupid things when I'm on my own. But when I am tempered by God's leadership, when I allow scriptures to teach me, when I allow scriptures to slow me down, when I follow God's leadership, I'm the best me I can be. And God calls you to be the best you that He's created you to be as you follow Him. Let me encourage you. Seek out God's will for your life. Read scripture. Pray for guidance. Try to pay attention to sermons and Bible studies and things like that. And seek God's will for you. And when you have an understanding of what God wants you to do, consider submission to Him. You never lose when you submit to God. Surrender your life to God's leadership. And you will always experience the blessings of God. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us for our service. Let's pray now and we will be dismissed. Lord, thank you so much for today. Lord, I hope that the message was inspiring, Lord, and that you would make us into what you would have us to be, Lord, that we can be a tool and vessel for your will, Lord, in our, in our communities and in our cities, Lord, and throughout the world. Lord, that your name would be glorified. And I thank you for it. Amen.